This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, welcome into the first edition of the Winning Plays Podcast for the 2019-2020 Boston Celtics season. My name is Brian Robb, joined by Michael Pino for this one. Uh, it is the preseason, so Rich Levine is still getting into preseason shape, I think, so he'll be joining us later this week, Mike. But we do have some actual basketball to talk about after four long months here uh, for the Boston Celtics of waiting. And uh, things kicked off Sunday night, the Celtics with a, a, a very tight 107-106 win over the Charlotte Hornets. Clearly a lot you can take out of preseason basketball game number one after a five-month layoff, Mike. So um, what, what's the biggest takeaway from last night? You know, like Taco Fall should start. Um well, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the numbers, and Terry Rozier had nine assists, so I wanted to quickly see if that was his career high, and uh, he had 10 assists in a game two years ago and 10 assists in a game last season, so it was not, unfortunately, his career high, which would have been amazing, but uh, so that, that would have been my big takeaway um, from the game, but uh, unfortunately, he couldn't get it done. He, I mean, I've been very hard on Terry over the years. He looked good last night. The passing last, I mean, it's not going to matter on that team, but um, if he plays like that all year long, that's um, the Charlotte will won't be crying about that signing. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think where we should start, Mike, is with the the starting five um, last night. Brad Stevens has been open about uh, experimenting with lineups all preseason long, so how much we want to read into this remains to be seen, but he did go with I me. Mean, no real surprise. Kemba, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum um, at those four spots. Marcus Smart coming off the bench as uh, I believe you predicted. And Robert Williams uh, getting the start at center and having a pretty rough go of it, I'd say, Mike, um, which isn't a huge shock since that's what happens in, again, preseason openers here, but um, how feasible, I mean, how is this Brad experimenting here, or do you think this is a, a realistic chance of seeing this lineup um, on opening night? I think, well, first of all, he, he, was, he was really bad, as you said. <laughs> um, not a lot of positives to take away. He was, like ex- he was extremely jumpy, antsy. His rotations were not great as an anchor. He, I mean, he was trying to block everything which he'll, I guess, I mean, he'll learn not to do that, to be a little bit more patient and sound uh, as a backline defender. But, uh, I mean, to answer your question, I feel like it is, it's definitely possible that we see it as the an, an opening night. I mean, it was only one preseason game. And obviously, Brad Stevens, I mean, made that move for a reason. And I assume the reason is that defense is a concern for the starting five and the team in general. And in, in it, it needs rim protection and Robert Williams is an important piece in that he is ostensibly the best rim protector on the team right now. So, I mean, it's, it's not like a, a situation where you, you need him to come through for the whole season to come together, but he is important, and I thought it made sense to start him in a the, just in a preseason game, relatively meaningless. Um, 
So it wouldn't totally shock me if on opening night he was the starting center, but at the same time, I'm still putting my money on Ennis Cantor in that spot. Yeah, it's. I think it was in a, you know, like you said, the, the defense isn't an issue. Rim protection is going to be an issue. I think from a, a just a reliability factor back there, it's hard, you know, unless we see some serious strides in the preseason here, it's hard to see him. Um, being there from a from a fit perspective of the offense it makes sense because when you have four talented offensive players around him that's a good place to hide him on that end of the floor so he can obviously just hit the offensive glass and grab alley-oops like he did on the first play of the game from Gordon Hayward but you just need like not even from a scheme standpoint he was actually he was bullied down low I thought a lot in the third quarter by Bismack Biombo. <laughs> he was beasted by right. Bismack Biombo. And when you're you're just looking at it, being like, okay, this is arguably this probably should be a bottom five offense in the league. The Charlotte Hornets. Um, that might be nice about it, even though they looked semi decent last night. Um, and that's just not a good sign because Williams, especially in the Eastern Conference, is going to be facing a lot of bulk, and he his strength is still not where he needs to be there. Um, from that standpoint, from positioning, on top of the awareness stuff. So, like, you put two and two together there, and, I mean, I feel like this is why Danny Ainge got so many other centers this offseason. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just, like, you know, trending in the conversation of concern. Um, I mean, what did you think? I'm just – just things that are popping out for me. Uh, looking at the box score from last night's game, um, what were your thoughts about Marcus Smart, who played 20 minutes, um, did not score? Uh, just your, your general thoughts about his performance as a guy coming off the bench when, you know, we've talked about, is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? What's his role going to be? And if if, if, if it's an issue, uh, just what were your general feelings about, about him last night? Sloppy. Um... And again, I at this point for guys like him, like I don't know at the at what point you get, you know, the benefit of the doubt to someone like that of being like, all right, this is a meaningless meaningless preseason game. And even for a guy like Smart, like, you know, it was some bad passing. Obviously, he didn't hit his threes. Um, even defensively, you know, he got into it a, a few times, but was also kind of caught napping a couple times too on that end, under characteristic of him. So, I don't I don't tend to worry about that I don't I mean I am curious from a standpoint of whether they need him in the starting five for just defensive reasons once the real games begin but um yeah like you know it wasn't no cause for alarm from my end in terms of what we saw from him off the bench yeah you know I I will say someone who was I I was very pleased with in, in the minutes that I saw where it was Grant Williams and mm-hmm. Finished a team high plus 14, which means absolutely nothing. Um, Grabbed nine boards, which is great. Three offensive rebounds. And I just thought, like, positionally, that dude, he just knows where to be at all times. And he is so self-sacrificial on the floor. Um, Just incredibly intelligent. Uh, I, I... I liked what I saw. He did not really look like a rookie to me, playing his very first preseason game. And, you know, the fact that he played nearly 19 minutes uh, is a tell there. And he played a little bit at the five. And, 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I think that he could be a bigger part. I don't want to extrapolate from one preseason game, but I feel like he could be a bigger part of the rotation than we're probably anticipating right now. Yeah, I mean, he came into the game in the first half, which I think it tells you kind of about his standing in the rotation. Obviously, Tice wasn't active for this game, so there was, you know, but I, I would have expected him to play either way. And, yeah, I mean, like, you just look at the the battle for minutes at the four off the bench between him and Ojale, and right now, like, Williams gives you a few extra elements in Ojale, particularly on the offensive end. And He's just so much more cerebral. Like, it's just, it's like apples and oranges. Like, no, nothing against Shemi, who I think has a value in this league for what he does, potentially, um, at his best. But it's just, Grant Williams just brings so much more elements, as you said. Right. And I think, that, like, you mentioned the rebounding. Like, that's an area that Ojale doesn't bring anything. Like, he is, for as strong as he is, he's, he's a, he rebounds like a guard when you look at the rates. And Williams, um, obviously... It was above average at that in college and even though he's undersized can you know bang around down there and you know was the only guy in the team that grabbed more than four rebounds last night and so you do look at just the versatility there playing the four and the five and yeah the, I mean the rookies we saw this in summer league Mike I mean Grant Williams was one of them um you saw a little bit of Carson Edwards really get going in the third quarter there mm-hmm. um the, the shot release is something else from him, I feel like. That translating right away. Yeah, I mean, instant offense. Uh, I I feel like his game is going to be very hit and miss, definitely as a rookie, but maybe even like throughout his entire career. We could, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll, that, that might be too, that might be a hyperbolic statement, but he seems just like the type of player, if, if his role in the NBA is, you know, instant offense, um, needing to be a spark plug and a change of pace scorer. Uh, if that's his destiny, then like, you know, that, that comes with a little bit of volatility, but it was good to see him play as aggressively as he did. And, you know, when he makes shots, he is a true difference maker. Yeah. It's just like, like you said, he just, he just didn't look like a rookie, which as far as what you can look for in a preseason game like that, I feel sticks out and you watch him off the ball and how you know the set plays where they got him open looks his his ability to kind of deke defenders already and really take advantage of you know small windows of opportunity and you just look around the rest of this bench and being like who's going to hit a rely who can you count on to hit a three-point shot on this bench like that's open and there it's not a long list um so are there going to be some like two of ten nights you know, probably, but the fact that he can play some, you know, tough defense, I think too, just in terms of pressuring the ball, you know, bodes well for a chance for him to, you know, get 10 or 15 minutes a game um, when the real games start. Yeah. And I don't think it's a mistake that he didn't look like he was a rookie. Like he played three years at Purdue in a pretty big role. Um, he played, you know, huge NCAA tournament games in huge spots. Uh, same thing with Grant Williams. I mean, I think there is some value to getting guys potentially later on in their college careers when they come in and they don't look like the the one and done freshman who, uh, 
you know, played 20 games maybe. Their team didn't even make the NCAA tournament. Their team was knocked out in the first round of their conference tournament. Like, there is some there is something to that, and just in terms of coalescing players into a bigger uh, a bigger framework, um, and knowing that it's not really all about themselves. So I think that I think that that might be a point that we touch on throughout the season. I love the fact that we haven't even talked about Kemba Walker at all yet. No, we haven't. Or Tatum. Or Tatum, for that matter. And I think, I mean, Kemba's night was just, there wasn't anything that stuck out about it, and that's, like, not a bad thing. It was just, like, classic Kemba, I feel like. Um, I do, in the first half, or in the first quarter, I should say, I don't think he took a shot for the first, like, seven or eight minutes of the game and was more facilitating than anything else, which was kind of, I think, an encouraging development to see. Um given how many options are in the starting five if Brad's going to go with this group. Um, but, yeah, like, it's he is what he is, and it, I think, again, it's just for him to get comfortable is going to be the key right now. It's something I've, I think I remember a couple years ago, like Al Horford kind of had a, not a slow start in his first year here, but there was definitely an adjustment period. So um, I think from at least from a defensive perspective, that's going to key key here too for Kemba. But he was happy to defer to Tatum here early, and, you know, Tatum really got going in this game because of it. No, and I mean, I don't think that, again, it's only one preseason game, but I've said several times throughout the summer that I feel like the Celtics need Tatum to be their leading scorer if they're going to be the best version of themselves that they can possibly be. And I think you saw a little bit of that last night. And it'll be really interesting to see just how deferential Kemba Walker is throughout the season playing on what is easily the most talented team of his entire career. I guess, I guess we could say that. Is that, is it easily? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Even though there was a Hornets team that made the playoffs and almost won a a, a playoff series, like, you know, playing with Gordon Hayward, who like Gordon Hayward might just be the flat out most talented teammate he's ever had. Like let alone Tatum, let alone Jalen. I will say real quick that speaking of Jalen, it was, you know, I was watching the game on my laptop. It was like very bizarre to see his haircut. Like, I don't know what it looked like. You were, I assume you were there in person. Yeah. And you've obviously like been around him and, and it's probably not as jarring as it was for me, no, but it's an initial shock. There's yeah. No I was like, Whoa, who is that? <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, it's Jalen. That's crazy. Um, and the beard too, like, which is really stands out when, he should probably shave the beard is my, my advice. My, uh, yeah. But, um, but no, like Kemba's deference to, to Tatum to, I don't really put Gordon necessarily in the same category just because I don't think he's that type of scorer and the team doesn't need that from him. But even someone like, I, I'm not saying he'll take fewer shots than Ennis Cantor, but I like the, 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 there was one play where, he found Cantor on the roll with a jump pass, like a no-look jump pass that I thought was really beautiful. Um, just having him be, uh, you know, I think a little bit more of a traditional point guard on this team might go, the like, do wonders. And then, you know, in the fourth quarter and in crunch time, him and Tatum can kind of trade off and, and see whoever's the hot hand on any given night. But... Yeah, I mean, it's really not too much to take away from Kemba. It must have also been a little strange for him to play the Hornets in his very first game in a Celtics uniform. Yeah, that must have just been, you know, just a, a full whirlwind for him on that front. Um, did you enjoy the taco chance? 
I gotta be honest, I'm a little, <laughs> like, I, they were a little annoying. Like, for, like they started very early, um, at least in the third, like, as soon as the second half began, they were, ha- they were, they were going on. I did not really catch too much of the first half, so I don't know if they were as flagrant when the game began, but, like... Yeah, I don't know. It was. I mean, it was. It, it, I, I expected that to die in summer league, which is kind of a place for those types of chants. Um, I really hope they don't happen in the regular season. That that will I not mean, be a sign that of is good the, things. I think it's gonna though. Like if he's <laughs> whether he's there or not, I feel like they're still gonna happen. It it was like a playoff game, like like legitimately in the fourth quarter when he got into the game, from a volume standpoint. Um. I think he has to make the team now. I I I just feel like the it's like a wave of something beyond. Like if if it's if the whole point of this is to be an entertainment product, like how do you right. not we're, have we're taco? not gonna we're not gonna win the championship, so but at least we have taco. Exactly. Um, so it will be. I mean, I guess. Well, here's the problem though with that. Like, okay, he has to make the team. Like, I know you didn't see too much of the the fourth quarter, but Javante Green. Um, stud was again he played well in summer league he was like everywhere in the fourth quarter and as far as an athleticism standpoint um, we know that's there but he even knocked down open three he saw defensively and he just gives like this team doesn't really have a cutter I feel like you know a guy that can get to you know go like kind of what Tony Allen used to do I feel like um, you hope just, that Jalen and and even Gordon can do that, but I, I right. hear your point. Right. I mean, Gordon, I feel like will do that when he gets. You know, he has his track record. Will do that. Jalen, not so much yet. You'd, you hope they develop that, but you know, guys like that do have just a value on a team like this that predicates on this ball movement. So, I mean, the fifteenth roster spot battle is always overanalyzed uh, in the Celtics world to to death, but this year it will be very fascinating. Uh, from that standpoint, and if, especially since they have a couple of two-way guys already locked up in uh, in Max Struess and Tremont Waters. So you're, one of those guys will have to be dumped. I guess you could dump Struess, sign Taco to a two-way, and then keep Javante, too, on the 15-man roster. That's probably, like, logistically makes the most sense. Um, but whatever. I mean, like, Taco for, you know, some team is going to pick him up just for marketing purposes, if nothing else, at this point, if the Celtics leave him. So, really random question, but who do you think is a better dunker, Javante or Jalen? Javante. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. His is just, like, more violent, I feel like. He has serious bounce. Um, and his, I mean, his Twitter handle is to extreme bounce, which really says it all. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, he, I, 15 points in 10 minutes, I think was yep. his, seven his seven. stat line. Yeah. And only taking one three, like that's, I mean, you're in the, the thralls of a preseason game, but it was competitive relatively, you know, yeah. like they, both teams wanted to win at the end. Those, like you're playing for a spot. So uh yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see if if he could make it but yeah they, taco is obviously like the most popular player in the league right now so that's just taking it to a different level 
We'll get back to more Celtics Hornets reaction in just a minute, but first, football season is in full swing, and you can get in the game now with our exclusive sports betting partners, BetOnline.ag. You can sign up today and receive 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or NFL. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, and you can even bet on some pretty wild prop bets, including who's be the first coach in the NFL to get canned this season, as well as the Dolphins will end up winning a game. Head on over to betonline.ag using promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, he only played six minutes, but one other guy I wanted to bring up, uh, Vincent Poirier, uh, actually looked, he, he had one rebound, literally did nothing in the box score. But from a positioning standpoint, if like that might be your best bet to kind of solidify the back line. Since he seemed to be in the right spot, um, seemed to know how to navigate the pick and roll, like, decently well given where his experience level is at and i don't know maybe rob williams was just so bad in this game that anyone who looked competent was like all right um but he i mean i'll be very it's gonna be crowded back there but he's someone i'd be intrigued to see you know play with a bunch of scores around him um since he clearly doesn't need a ball and is a good screen setter yeah how long of a leash do you think rob williams will get if he is the starter on opening night of the regular season. I think it'll be exactly like this game where he played 10 minutes and get like get pulled at the start of, you know, each half and maybe get one other stint. But, like, I, I think there's going to be a lot of Mexican matching this year in that spot. I feel like watching him that he's still a year away just from a strength perspective. Like, Bismack Biombo really took it to him. And, right. you know... Bismack Biombo has had productive NBA seasons, let alone productive NBA games. And there are problems with his game. Like, I mean, he's, I think his contract is like 17 or 18 million. I mean, he's, he's not a complete trash player. So I don't yeah. want to, to say that, but I also did not expect Rob Williams to get manhandled like he did in the paint. Like, he was thrown around like a plastic bag at points in the third quarter, and it was just a little discouraging to see. Yeah, it, it that's what easily stood out to me the most, is just, you know, the strength stuff with him was a an issue at points last year against true bigs, and that, given the amount of those guys that are across the Eastern Conference, like, you can't really, like, you can learn the scheme and stuff like that, but if your strength is just not there, then... You're going to get bullied down there, and if if you're playing small ball four anyway alongside him, then that's that's when you're going to run into problems from a defensive standpoint because, you know, this team all year long last year, like they didn't, with Horford off the floor, if they tried to go small elsewhere at the center spot, it was, you know, a disaster essentially. Yeah, I feel like the first time the Celtics play the Sixers, it's just going to be a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> like, it's going to be really sad just to watch. Al Horford like and him and forget about Embiid just watching Al Horford I feel like Al Horford could have his way against the Celtics front line as well so um if he can post up Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown whoever the heck they're gonna put him on yeah it's not uh, gonna be pretty um yeah any other were there any other takeaways I mean we obviously can't read too much into one preseason game but any other meaningful 
notes that you had out of this one? Mm, nothing crazy. I mean, Cantor, we haven't talked about him a ton. Um, I think it was just as expected. It, it's just classic Cantor, like good hands around the basket, some good volleyball down low, but also like pretty underwhelming defense and his recovery and pick and roll and just his resistance at the rim is like the basic one. When, like when a guard gets in there and he's like one-on-one against them as the last line defense, like that player usually is going to get a, a good shot. And so that again is, it's part of the package, but um, yeah, like I still think he was, he was more competent in this game than Rob Williams. So that's, I mean, defensively, which I guess is, you know, not saying much, but a positive from his standpoint. I mean, you, you've watched him for years, Mike. What did, what did you think of him in the brief time you saw him? Yeah, I mean, he he looked like Ennis Cantor. Um, I think the element of his game that Celtics fans will really appreciate this season is how he draws fouls going for offensive rebounds. I mean, mm-hmm. that type of thing is just, it's not something that you notice on a box score or anything like that. But, you know, you can put a team in the bonus quicker. You can uh put someone in foul trouble who's important on the opposing team uh he's just a very relentless big in that respect and can still be one and he i mean he has great hands too so it's not like when he gets the ball he does nothing with it he's very efficient on putbacks and has been throughout his career so i mean if he's able to uh, uh have an impact in that area and uh you know manufacture his own offense without having plays run for him and he's content with that i think that that brings a different element to this team that they have not had in years past yeah there's that is i mean can you remember last time this team i just had a good like rim roller like, no it hasn't i mean it hasn't you see, you would see it in bits and pieces with Horford, sure. But that was not ever really his game. Um, I mean, you saw it during the playoff run, uh, not last year, but two years ago. I thought he was, you know, he was posting up like a madman, and he was rolling more more than he was popping. Um, but besides that, like since Brad Stevens has been here, that's just not the skill set that he likes. So this is going to be a very interesting season for everyone. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, we also didn't see Tice, who was out with a hip strain, I guess, and then Romeo Lankford, uh still recovering from a groin strain. So, um, I mean, Lankford, I would expect him to start. You know, I don't know. Like, are you are you putting him in the G League, Mike? If he like doesn't pop, this like if he doesn't get healthy this preseason and just to get him reps and stuff. I feel like 14th overall picks generally don't do that, but it's hard to see him a path for him to minutes if he's not, you know, ready to go on this team now. Yeah, I think you just have to figure out what's best for his development. Is that playing in the G League and getting minutes there and and that experience, or is it being around uh, NBA players every day? And, you know, definitely not being in the rotation that that doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but just soaking up, you know, uh, work habits and, um, you know, being around someone like Kemba Walker every day, being around someone like Ennis Cantor every day, being around Jalen and Tatum, guys who are like actually it's so funny, like thinking about them as veterans, but like 
I think from just a social media perspective, uh, like the the perception of uh, Tatum, you know, making rookies do push-ups and stuff like that. So like being around those guys who have been in playoff situations and being able to pick their brain, um, being humbled by all that, I think is also pretty valuable. But I, I mean, the Celtics can balance those two things without um, issue, I don't think so. It would not surprise me at all if he spent a good majority of time in the G League, and it would not surprise me if he was if he was around the team for most of the season, traveling with them and and soaking it up the NBA experience up like that either. Well, all I know is that the main Red Claws have sold out for the season. If uh, if Taco Fall makes his team, um, no doubt about it, that will be. They might have to move to a big arena because it is <laughs> it's just I just can't believe how how that reaction, how big it was. And, and again, it was the same thing in Vegas. We were both there too. So it's not like this should be a huge surprise, but um, like the world, it let off SVP last night. That was the first thing was like one thing I liked tonight. And it was, it was taco fall highlights. So gotta love it. Right. I mean, it's going to be a real one to see where he lands, but that will do it for us for now. Uh, we will be back with you guys at full strength later this week to uh, dig into more uh, big picture seas topics as the, the preseason gets rolling and as we get a look at other teams around the league. Um, as always, uh, please subscribe to the Winning Plays podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review us. They're a huge help, and we very much appreciate it. Uh, you can always follow us at winning plays pod as well on Twitter and pl- please uh, give us anything else Mike no we don't even have a mystery or anything yet so that's it follow Mike at my VP on Twitter too yes please <laughs> all right we will get with you guys next week